We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready? Down! Put, 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 put! This is the Bear Report Podcast. With Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. What's up, Bears fans? Welcome to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. My name is Zach Pearson. I'm one of your hosts, and today. We are going to break down everything on the Chicago Bears after the week nine loss to the Miami Dolphins. And while it felt like a loss, it was also a win for the Chicago Bears because the offense looked much, much better. Putting up 32 points, Justin Fields looked phenomenal, setting an NFL record along the way. And we're also going to preview the matchup against the Detroit Lions um, with special guests from the Pride podcast here on Blue Wire Network. Let's get into all that, though, and welcome in my co-host, Aaron Lemming. And Aaron, as I said, man, it was a loss for the Bears, but it certainly felt like a win when it was all said and done. Yeah, I don't think you could have said it any better, man. Uh, I mean, yeah, they lost. They they lost in the you know in the in the score, and you know they're three and six on the year. But I think this is kind of something we talked about right before we started recording. I, I feel like the overall outlook of this team has drastically changed over the last few weeks, and it's really because of one player if we're being completely honest here and that's Justin Fields. I mean, we talked about it all offseason at nauseum. If Justin Fields develops and he proves to be the guy, which I don't think we're there yet. We're we're getting rapidly closer. I think everybody's feeling a lot better. I don't think we're quite there yet, but if he continues down this path, I think we absolutely will be over the next few weeks or whatever. But if Justin Fields is the guy, the entire outlook of this team gets drastically better and it gets drastically better quick. And I mean, you know, going back to last week's podcast and kind of reacting to the moves of, you know, originally when they traded away Roquan Smith, you're thinking, all right, man, well, this is, uh, this is, this is going to be a long one. This is gonna be a long rebuild. And then all of a sudden they turned around and they traded for Chase Claypool. And, and we saw a little bit, not, not a whole lot, but a little bit of what, his impact is going to be in this offense, what his possible role can be in this offense. But I think overall, I mean, the reality of the situation is quite simple, right? The bears have played two really good defenses over their last three games, Miami being kind of, I would say, you know, within the what top 20 or whatever, I'd have to look at their exact numbers. I may be overrating them a little bit, but 
when you look at what they did against New England, you think, okay, wow, this is really impressive. They blew out New England. And then, you know, even the, even the Dallas game, I think a lot of people said, well, you know, it was cool that they did this against New England, but Dallas is going to set them straight. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people want to call that game a blowout. The score looked a lot worse than it really was. But, you know, as we've seen, this is a team that if they don't shoot themselves in the foot, um, you know, in the third or the early fourth, fourth quarter, even if they're down two or three scores, they're going to find a way to climb back in it. Now, there's obviously no guarantee that they're going to win the game, but they're going to find a way to come back, you know, climb back in it. And they did, you know, offensively did pretty dang well against Dallas. And then again, against Miami, uh, you know, Justin Fields had that star like performance. Now, if you look at the box score and you box score scout, then maybe you're not as overly impressed with it. You know, he had a little over 300 total yards, you know, had four touchdowns, but he only had the, you know, a little less than 130 yards passing. So a lot of people are going to look at that and say, well, he's still not a good quarterback. He's just running back. But I think for anybody who's watched Justin Fields over these last few weeks, uh, I, I think it's very easy to see how big of an impact he's making and that he's quite frankly, the best player on the field for the bears on either side of the ball. But I think that, for a good litmus test, I think it would be really beneficial for a lot of fans, especially if you have M- NFL Plus or NFL Game Pass or whatever the heck it is, to go back and watch Justin Fields in week two or week three of this year. Go back and watch Justin Fields last year, really at any point in the season, and then watch him over these last few weeks and tell me that there isn't a drastic, and I mean a drastic, they don't even look like the same quarterback, man. They, it, like if you told me that they were two completely different players wearing the same exact jersey, I would honestly believe you because they don't look like the same player at all. And this is what development looks like. This is what we expected from Trubisky. This is what we'd been hoping for from Justin Fields, from quarterbacks that the Bears have drafted or signed or whatever. This is what this looks like. And again, it's not a finished product. It's far from a finished product, but I don't know, man. I don't know how you can not feel considerably better about this team um, over these last few weeks than we did maybe the first five weeks of the season. Yeah, it's been a drastic improvement. I mean, they've scored, what, 94 points in the past three games? Compared that to the past, what, the first five weeks, they scored like 93 or 92 points. So there's a lot of improvement. I I think, you know, there's a lot of credit to go around. Justin Fields has elevated his game. The Bears have tailored the game plan around him. Um, the offensive line in my eyes has, has played a little better. Cole Komet's playing better. Um, you know, you got to get the receivers to play better. But overall, I mean, it's been what we've wanted to see. And, yeah, they're still losing games. But, man, they're putting up points. Like, they put up 32 points against the Dolphins. The Dolphins' offense didn't put up 32 points. The Dolphins got that um, blocked punt for a field goal – or excuse me, block punt for a touchdown that adds to their point total. So, they, I mean, they went toe-to-toe with one of the better offenses in the AFC. And you and I have said it, you know, now you have to show consistency. You have to show you can continue to do it, continue to get better, and it'd feel a lot better for Bears fans and obviously um, for the team despite getting the losses. It's about progression. It's about developing these guys, finding out who you have for next year and – and who you can build around the pieces you can build around um, for the future. So yeah, it's, it's definitely improving. Um, you know, you look at these last couple of games, they've put themselves in position to kind of go down and win. I mean, they put themselves in position to win the, um, the Washington game. Darnell Mooney couldn't get into the end zone there. They were in position to go down and win this game. You got the missed pass interference call. You have um, EQ St. Brown not catching a ball, put right of the money right on his hands. Um, 
looking back at Dallas, you have the fumble from David Montgomery that was returned for a touchdown. Even the Giants and Vikings games, you know, you had Vilas Jones fumbling the ball there at the end instead of giving the offense an opportunity. You you know, you had um, Amir Smith-Marset not uh, fumbling the football. It's like Justin Fields has made the throws he needs to make and the plays he needs to make. He's got to get a better supporting cast around him, and I think that will come this offseason. Yeah, and I think it will too. I, you know, I think it's it's kind of weird, right? Because I, I still don't think the Bears have a very good receiving group, and by no means am I advocating that you know they have a good group or even really average yet. But it is interesting, uh, and I think you would probably agree with this that the Bears are currently looking at a situation over the next week or so where they're going to have to make a decision on Byron Pringle, right? So. And it's, it's interesting for a few different things because obviously Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney are your number ones and number twos for this year. Now, obviously, I'd like to see another young receiver drafted early in the draft. doesn't have to be the first round. I'd say within the first three rounds of the draft to be able to throw into that mix, right? But then after that, you know, you're, you're looking at what's, what's on this roster right now, and you got Byron Pringle, who I would assume is going to come back unless they're just going to IR him for the rest of the year, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You might as well just cut him at that point. I'm pretty sure he'd be healthy. Uh, Nikhil Harry, Economia St. Brown, Dante Pettis, and then Valus Jones Jr., and Valus Jones Jr. was a healthy scratch. We're, we're not even halfway through his rookie season yet, especially when you're looking at games played, considering he missed the first few games of the season. He's already a healthy scratch. So, you know, I know Matty Raflu said that it was special teams related. I'm sure that definitely played a part because, let's be honest, Valus Jones Jr. has been playing, what, 15 20% of the snaps at most um, offensively. So I, I get it, but the Bears are – facing somewhat of a roster crunch right now. And it's kind of crazy to think about it, you know, at the receiver spot where you want to pick your best guys. And I think this is my personal take. I think, you know, projecting towards next year, I think EQ St. Brown is a guy that you can bring back as a four, five, sorry, a five or six, right? I mean, he's playing, I'm sorry, he's playing way too much right now. We've seen it multiple times. The guy can't make plays. It's not his fault. He's not that kind of receiver. It's just, it's just kind of a product of what's going on, but You've got him, Byron Pringle, who's been a massive disappointment. Um, I know a lot of people are going to say, well, he's been injured, but it's like even when he wasn't injured, he wasn't impressing in camp, uh, didn't really play in the preseason, and the games that he played in didn't really do a whole lot. Um, you know, again, that's what happens when you sign a, you know, number four target and really good offense and expect him to become a number two receiver, a quality, you know, a quality offensive weapon. And then outside of that, it's like Dante Pettis can go away. Um, Nikhil Harry, I, I think that he's another guy that if you can bring back on a super cheap one-year deal, I think you can bring him back next year. But, yeah, I, I think that right now you've kind of gone from – you're kind of balancing trying to figure out who you're going to keep next year and also getting, obviously, your number one and your number two right now is, you know, enough time. And then also kind of balancing how involved do you want to get Bayless Jones Jr. for the rest of the year – and then from there, who is your your valuable, you know, who's your valued number three and I guess number four at this point? And I think that that's kind of what they have to figure out moving forward. But again, I mean, if you, if you go back and you look at these last few games, Justin Fields has looked a hell of a lot better, but they're still not throwing the ball a ton. Now, some of that is not by design. Some of that is just simply Justin Fields scrambling and making things happen, whatever it may be, or, you know, taking the occasional sack. He's getting a lot better at that as well. But the reality of it is, man, is the Bears just haven't thrown the ball a ton. And, you know, when you're scoring, when you're averaging over a three-game period, when you're averaging 31 point, you know, three points a game, 
there's not a whole lot you, you need to change. I mean, realistically, if the Bears had a halfway decent defense, the Bears would be 3-0 and in this stretch, and frankly, the Bears would be right in the mix for a wild-card spot, which is crazy. Again, I'm not saying that they've been that good because, frankly, they haven't. I'm just the, – the, the, the overall parity or the lack of quality teams in NFC right now is absolutely crazy. The Bears have been – uh, out of their out of their four losses, uh, you know, four out of their six losses have been by one score or fewer. And what I mean by that is basically eight points or less. And they in those losses, they are one and you know, or sorry, zero and four in those games. It's like all of a sudden, if you flip that and you say, okay, you know, uh, you know, if you you if you flip that and you say two and two, the Bears are five and four right now. The Bears are actually, if that was the case, the Bears would be the seventh seed in the wild card with some pretty winnable games coming up. And again, I'm not saying that they should be anything like that. But what it goes to show is, one, the Bears' offense has been playing a lot better. Uh, two, the NFC as a whole is just not very good. And three, this is kind of crazy, but the Bears can either be – but by the time this Sunday ends against uh, against the Lions, the Bears will either be in second, third, or fourth place, which is just absolutely crazy to think about, right? So – they're in, you know, like I said, second, third, or fourth place. If the Bears win and the Packers lose, they're in second place. If the Bears win and the Packers win, then they're in third place, like they are right now. And if they lose, if they lose and the Lions jump over them because Lions are two and six and they'd go to three and six and the Bears would go to three and seven. And then, regardless of what the Packers does, doesn't really much matter at that point. So it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting uh, because Minnesota is obviously running away with the division. There's a lot going on. It, but again, I, I think the thing that you can circle back to right now is that there's there's just a lot more optimism, um, especially offensively, because it feels like if you fix the offense, you can kind of piece together the defense. Uh, the Bears are going to have a lot of resources. We already know that. So it's going to be very interesting, and I don't know about you, but I'm kind of at that point in the, in the season right now where I don't really care what the defense does. Um, I'm just basically waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for uh, you know the offense to get back out on the field and see what Justin Fields can do next. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, it, it was kind of funny because when like the Dolphins had that blocked punt, you were kind of just like, well, yeah, I mean, I guess Justin Fields, is, we get to see him a little quicker than... Um, than we were if, if they didn't have that block, but obviously you don't want um, that to happen. But you know the bright side is you get to see Justin Fields quicker. Yeah, I mean I'm ready for them to build around Justin Fields. I'm ready for them to take that 
next step with the offense and then find a game record on defense. And I think that's really all that matters the rest of the season. I mean, we've all talked about it. We've all said it. Numerous people have said it like, you know, the best case scenario is that the bears aren't very good. Justin Fields is good. And you get a top, you know, 10 pick, you get a chance to, essentially land a defensive stud or, or land a wide receiver or even trade back something like that. And cause you know, this team has a lot of needs on defense, especially, I mean, they, they need a game record up front. They, the defense is failing them completely last three games. They've had two sacks combined. I mean, that that's just, you, you can't have that. You really need someone up front to wreck a game and someone up front to, to wreak havoc in the backfield. They don't have that. They don't have any pass rushers. Um, they're, they're really struggling out there. So there, there's a lot of needs, obviously building around Justin Fields is the most important, but they also have a need for someone in the trenches. They probably have a need for multiple linebackers out there. I think the secondary is fine. Look, it's really hard to guard Tyreek Hill. It's really hard to guard Jalen Waddle. It's even harder to guard them for extended periods of time because your defense of line and your front seven isn't getting pressures on the quarterback. So, I mean, that's kind of what we saw on Sunday. I mean, Tua Teglavoa had all day to throw. He made the Bears pay, but the Bears offense answered right back, which was nice and in, in, in what you want to see. And I have a feeling the Bears are going to be high-scoring team the rest of the way. I mean, they got games against Buffalo and Philadelphia that – you know, the offense maybe could hang around a little bit. I think those two teams would pull away from them. But other than that, I mean, the Jets, the Vikings, the Packers, the Lions twice, the Falcons, they have some winnable games and some games that their offense is going to keep them in the game and give them a shot to win. And honestly, Aaron, I don't know when's the last time we've actually felt that. Maybe 2013 under the Mark Trussman when he had that really good offense, but the defense stunk. This is kind of refreshing and nice to see, um, you know, having an offense that can kind of keep you in games. It's kind of crazy because, you know, it's kind of something you, you, you touched on a little bit in terms of like, you know, that block punt happens at any point during the Matt Nagy era, that block punt happens and that game spirals out of control. The same thing in Dallas. Like, again, I, I know that they ended up losing by what was it, 20 or 21 points of Dallas, but I feel like a lot of people forget that the Bears went down pretty substantially in the game, fought back, got it within a five-point game. And if it, you know, and then if it wasn't for the fact that David Montgomery fumbled that ball, they probably go down and score. And it probably, I'm not saying that they're going to win the game again. Like there's a, and this is something else that we talked about too earlier this offseason is the Bears have to find ways, they have to learn how to win games. And they're in that process right now. The, the San Francisco game was cool week one. A lot of weird stuff happens week one. But the reality of it is, is in most close games right now, they are not winning those games when it comes down to it. That is a symptom of a rebuilding team. But I also think that it's very much worth noting how much fight this team has in them. Because, I mean, let's be honest, man. Like, yeah, the Bears are probably right about where most of us expected. I think they're considerably more exciting than most of us have expected. But at the same time, like, they have fought and they have fought basically every single game. And most of those games that they fought in, they've been considerably outmanned from a talent standpoint. I mean, Miami is a considerably better team. Dallas is a considerably better team. I would say that New England is at least a better team than the Bears. Like, there there have been a lot of games in which the Bears really had no business hanging around in, and they found a way to hang around. And I think that that right there is an identification from the coaching staff. And again, who knows if it'll last, from the coaching staff that they got this team on the right track. And again, like you pointed out, man, it, it's – 
this defense is a tough watch right now, and it's going to continue to be a tough watch. I mean, they don't face a lot of super high-scoring offenses down the stretch, but they do have, you know, Detroit at one point was playing pretty well uh, offensively. I mean, they had the 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 best, the highest-scoring offense in the league over the first four weeks of the season, and that's considerably cooled off now. But uh, they also have Buffalo coming up. They've got the Eagles. Like, there are definitely a few games in there where things could get pretty out of hand. Um, but you know, like you pointed out, uh, and not to get too heavy into the off season quite yet, because obviously we've still got an entire, you know, second half worth of football left to go here, but the bears are going to have a ton of resources. And I know, I know everybody's locked on to the thought that they absolutely have to go all in on the offense. And I agree that they do. I think they need at least two high should well, higher or high caliber or whatever, you know, however you want to label that uh, offensive lineman, you need at least another receiver. Um, you know, if you want to look at maybe doing something else at tight end, you can do that as well. But I think, you know, and then maybe if you want to upgrade at running back or if you want to resign Montgomery, if it makes sense from a money perspective, then go ahead and do that too. But I think too, like you also have to look at the defense, right. And you have to, you have to kind of understand that, you know, there's going to be resources put into that defense. I think for the most part, their secondary is pretty well handled. I don't, I don't know about you, but I mean, I think Eddie Jackson, he's got two more years left on his deal after this uh, for reasonable money, considering how he's playing right now. I think Eddie Jackson's locked in the next two years. I think he's one of the leaders of this defense. I think that he's great for that secondary. I think he's one of their better defenders. I think you keep him around. I think really, you know, cornerback two with Vildor or whatever you're going to do. I think maybe that's an area that you can upgrade, but I think really the biggest focus defensively has got to be on that front seven. Um, Moro, you know, if they want to keep him around, that's cool. Um, but they obviously need to find a much better linebacker. There's going to be a, a, quite a few in free agency that can make sense for them. But I think really that defensive line is key. Now, to me, there are quite a few paths where you can, considerably improve your interior defensive line relatively quickly. If you look at the free agent market right now, or you look at the free agent market going into 2023, again, a lot can change. There are a few guys there, Deron Payne being probably my favorite target there, where if you sign somebody like him, you're already in a lot better shape. Edge rusher is the one where, I mean, we just saw, man, Bradley, Bradley Chubb, like Bradley Chubb's a, a good player. Bradley Chubb's not a very good player. He's not a great player. He's a good player. And he got traded for a first-round pick, and he got basically $23 million a year when the guy has produced 10 sacks once in his entire career and, frankly, was invisible for the most part against the Bears. Like, he's just one of those, you know, hot and cold kind of guys, never really been overly productive. Sacks aren't everything. I know pressure rates, and there's a bunch of other stuff that goes along with it when evaluating a pass rusher. But that goes to show you that if the Bears are truly going to improve on the edge – it's either going to take a big time trade, you know, a la like a Khalil Mack type deal, um, which I don't think is very smart for them to do, or more realistically, they're going to need to take an edge rusher in the first round or two of the draft. Now, you know, if you look at it from the ESPN FPI uh, projection standpoint, the Bears are projected. I think they're right around six or seven right now. Like, let's just say the Bears end up with, let's just say the the seventh pick in the draft. Now. Will Anderson's probably going to be gone. Jalen Carter may get there, depending on what happens. That would be a fantastic pick because I think Jalen Carter is awesome. But you start looking at some of these other edge rushers, and maybe you end up having to take a chance on an edge rusher instead of an offensive lineman or receiver. Because again, I'm not a big fan of taking receivers in the top 10. 
Uh, I think as far as offensive tackle goes, there's quite a few offensive tackles in free agency that I think the Bears would probably be smart to pay. And then if you can end up like, let's say the Penn State guy ends up falling in them, if they were picking at seven, maybe it makes sense. But I do think that defense is probably going to make more sense for them in the first round. No, that's not what a lot of people like to hear. And again, we're way far away from that. But the defense is also going to need some focus too. But I think the big thing to kind of keep in mind is the Bears are going to have the resources to do it. They're going to have a lot of resources this offseason. So, you know, multiple birds can be killed with the same stone, essentially, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, they, they like you said, they need a game wrecker, man. They need someone up front who can wreak havoc in the backfield. They need a true three technique. They need a pass rusher. Um, they need a linebacker, too. I mean, they, they really don't have many pieces on the front seven that are long-term. And you look at that um, – because when you look at the the secondary, I think almost every piece there is a long-term piece. And I'm saying, you know, next two to four years, probably need another outside cornerback. Um, I, I do think Kilma Vilders played better. I don't know if he's a solution out there. But other than that, man, they're pretty set in the secondary. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, you know, if you can find a way, I, I'd love for them to get Jalen Carter out of Georgia. I don't think it's going to happen just because he might go in that top five and the Bears right now to me. You know, they're they're kind of flirting with the top five, top eight. Um, but yeah, if you could get someone like Jalen Carter, if or if you could trade back and land more picks, I, I would do that as well. So yeah, they're gonna have, you know, some interesting decisions, but you could go out and spend a lot of money on um a defensive player, a front seven, a dominant player, and I'd be fine with it as well. Um, Aaron, let's get into our interview. Um the preview. The Detroit Lions matchup we brought on the Pride podcast uh, of Blue Wire Network. Before we do that, though, we do have to talk to our listeners about an awesome site called Odds Trader. You've heard it here before on the Bear Report podcast. It's a great site that combines all major sports books from the web, combines them into one, helps you compare odds, helps you compare different, from different promotions, different sign-up codes, has great handicapping features, live play-by-play updates, live scores, bet tracking, key game statistics, player statistics, um, projected game day weather, my favorite tool, the record tracker, where it keeps track of all your records and all your betting activity during the games with NFL, college football, baseball's over now, but you have the NBA, you have NHL, World Cup is coming up. You make sure you want to get to Odds Trader to take advantage of all their awesome services. Go to oddtrader.com slash blue wire. That's oddtrader.com slash blue wire. Odd Trader, the number one site for all your game day bets. And again, this is the Pride Podcast as part of Blue Wire Network. They joined us for a special segment to kind of break down the Lions. And we'll be back to give our thoughts on the Lions game coming up. And now joining us here on the Bear Report podcast to break down week 10 matchup between the Detroit Lions and Chicago Bears is Tyler Sawa of the from the from the Pride podcast, I'm sorry, of the Blue Wire Network. They do a great job over there breaking everything down. And Tyler, before we start, man, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Excited to talk about Lions-Bears. Exciting matchup this Sunday. Right, right. As we were talking before we got on, um, you know, Aaron said at least the Packers are are bad. Um, and I think we can kind of uh, agree on that. And you guys coming off a fresh win over Green Bay, what's kind of the state of the Lions? Because that felt like a big win for them, not only, you know, obviously um, to get their second win, but to do it against Green Bay, kind of build some momentum and, and some positivity there in that locker room. Where are the Lions kind of at right now going into this matchup? 
I mean, for me personally, it was nice. It was it was good to finally get that win under our belt. I mean, we had you know we were on a big losing streak, and there just wasn't much confidence in me personally with the direction of where the team was going. You knew the team wasn't going to be all that great going into the year, but you expect a little more coming into year two with your head coach and your general manager and kind of, you know, rebuilding this whole thing. Again, wasn't expecting much like a playoff victory or even winning division or anything like that. But, you know, I did expect more from the standard of being the race, uh, be in the playoff picture in, you know, December-ish. And then if you fade away towards the end, that is what it is. I kind of expect that. But um, to win versus the Packers, I mean, yeah, always being the Green Bay Packers is always a good thing. You're always going to take that. But the way the game actually went, I mean, it was just really, really bad football. If you watch the football game, there was just so much bad football. It was just both teams looking like who who wants to lose this game more and then it looked like the Green Bay Packers wants to just lose the game more. We'll take the win. We won't complain about it. Well, and and, and kind of, you know, speaking of expectations, you know, the, the Lions are basically a year ahead of the Bears in terms of rebuilding and, you know, a new regime and all that stuff. And I'm just kind of curious because I haven't seen – I haven't seen a ton of interaction on Twitter, you know, with Lions and Bears fans and really haven't seen a lot of Lions, you know, talk as a whole. Where are you at just in terms of this being year two, maybe not uh, performing up to expectations? Where are you at with this regime and where do you see it, you know, going moving forward? Do you think they're still on track? Do you think they're behind schedule? How are you feeling overall? I feel like there's still a lot of questions to be held. I mean, it's just... I was hoping more of those questions would be answered coming into the year or as the season played out. And I feel like they just kind of haven't been fully fulfilled yet. Uh, one of the big questions and, you know, something you want to see as a Lions fan in this season was, you know, progression with your head coach. You know, he's going to be a young head coach and you kind of gave him the past year one. You know, he's kind of learning on the job. He's got a very young and experienced roster. So you didn't really give much expectations as far as a win loss total week one or year one. Year two, you know, you're getting a lot of those pieces back and you're adding some players from the draft and even a little bit of free agency. So, you know, generally expectations are going to go up, obviously. I mean, it's not harder to expect more things out of your team when you only win three games the year previous. And now, do I think they'll win more than three games this year? I do. I mean, they're at two right now and they still got, I believe, nine football games left to be played. But I just haven't seen the progression that I was kind of hoping for from my head coach. I still have, you know, those in-game decision-making where I'm I'm really questioning what he's doing. And, it, you know, and it even came to life last Sunday when they played the Packers in the game. Ended up working out. They won the game. But, you know, there's just some decision-making where I don't necessarily agree with. And I think some of the fan base would also agree with me. It's just, you know, I, I think it's questionable right now. As far as, you know, the general manager who's, getting the players here in the draft and for agency. I think there are, there is confidence with Brad Holmes and what he's doing, at least for me. Um, I, I really enjoy the job that Brad Holmes is doing right now, accumulating all these draft picks. And I, I could see his vision and what he's trying to build. So, you know, I think it's a mixed bag right now, uh, you know, with Campbell having some questionable play calling and being questionable about him. And then uh, I think people are, pretty much optimistic of what Brad Holmes has done so far. A little question marks this week when they traded T. Jackson at the trade deadline, but I would say for the most part, Lions fans are on board of what Brad is doing. 
So let me let me ask you this just real quick before yep. Zach goes on here. Uh, so do you think do you think Dan Campbell's gonna like if they win, let's just say four or five games, do you think he'll survive another year? Uh, do you think he's gonna be the coach over the next few years, or do you think they could make a change if they don't kind of start winning more? Yeah, I I would be pretty stunned if they made the coaching change after this year. I mean, they gave him a six year contract, and I don't put too much stock into that because you know a lot of coaches get that five six year contract, but. I would be pretty stunned if they let go from after this year. I think next year will be the real, you know, determination factor for Campbell and what they want to do with him and how long they want to stick it out with him if he's going to be the guy or not. But I will say this, you know, this offseason is very crucial for this football team and they're, they're going to definitely have to take football, you know, steps forward because they have a question mark of what they're going to do with the quarterback position and, you know, they're going to obviously have to improve on the roster in a whole. So I would be stunned if Campbell is canned after this year, but I think next year going into the season, you know, I don't think Campbell could afford a one in six star and thinking he's going to get a year four. I just don't think that's a possibility, but I do think they will give him the benefit of the doubt and he is going to probably get another year. But I think, as next year comes into play, I, I think the expectation for, you know, Campbell are definitely going to raise. And I think every fan will probably, you know, set a standard for him. The decision to trade TJ Hawkinson, I, I totally understand. I guess you want to stock up some picks and and move on, um, you know, because they really aren't going to the playoffs this year. Were you shocked by that at all? And were you more shocked that it was to a division rival in Minnesota? first i wasn't that shocked that that tj was traded i was a little shocked they did it in the season i thought if it were to happen i thought it would happen in this offseason or even next year you know as we head to the next offseason with you know having the fifth year option with tj hawkinson and they were gonna they already picked it up so i assumed you know that was probably gonna happen i didn't think they were ever in the you know conversation of extending tj he just didn't really show enough I feel like here personally and to be a fit to be a long-term piece where you know you're shelling out 13 to 15 million dollars a year for a guy that you know he could be productive but isn't as productive as you would like him to be and I just feel like that's kind of how their offense is built is that it's not really built and surrounded for tight end so I'm not shocked that they traded TJ and if if it were my call, I, I think it's the right call just for what they want to do on offense. Now, trading him to the division rival, yeah, that could be a bit risky and a bit sour because, you know, if TJ does live up to that expectation of being the number eight pick that he was, and I know he has the talent to be a good football player, do I ever think he'll ever be that tier one of tight ends like a Travis Kelsey or a, a George Kittle or Mark Andrews? I don't, but do I think he could be a pretty good tight end? I do. And – would it hurt if he could, you know, blossom to be a really good tight end in Minnesota? Definitely would hurt. But um, I just think they just didn't view him part of the future. And I think Minnesota just really came up to the play and probably had the best offer that, you know, Brad Holmes couldn't refuse. So I think that's what kind of factored into the decision of training him into the division. Well, kind of staying on the topic of the offense uh, for the Lions here, over the first four games, man, they were super impressive. I mean, really super impressive. They're averaging, what, 35 points a game. Um, you know, it, it seemed like Jared Goff was clicking. Amon, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown was looking really good. And then, obviously, some injuries started happening. 
Uh, over the last four games, they're averaging, I think it's either 12 or 13 points per game over those last four. What has changed, and do you think this offense gets back on track? Yeah, I mean, the thing with the offense the first four weeks was nice is that they had all their playmakers out there. And obviously in the NFL, you're going to go through injuries. Every team's going to go through it. And I think it's just kind of been proven at this point of his career and Jared Goff's career that, you know, he's a guy that could be very, very productive when the pieces are around him, everything's around him. And I like to call it the perfect scenario. And we saw that the first four weeks, like it was, it was clicking. You had a healthy DeAndre Swift. You mentioned Amon Ross St. Brown was playing well and he was healthy. But now you look at this offense coming into the season, you know, you expected Amon Ross St. Brown, DJ Chark, TJ Hawkinson, and DeAndre Swift. Throughout those last four games, you know, they've been in and out of the, the uh, you know, the lineup. You know, Amon Ra missed a couple games. DeAndre's been dealing with the ankle and, and the shoulder injury, and he's been playing the last two weeks. But, like, you know, you could tell it's not the same DeAndre Swift. Hawkinson, like we just mentioned, was traded. DJ Chark has been placed on IR. Um, even Josh Reynolds is a player that has had a really good connection with Goff even through his Rams days. And, you know, he missed last game. Um, so I like it is it is what it is. Jared Goff is not one of those quarterbacks where he, he could elevate your offense when the pieces are not around him. And, you know, I think that's kind of why the offense has declined over the, the past couple of weeks, just that not everything has been, you know, perfect for Jared Goff. And I think also into the play caller, Ben Johnson, you know, this is his first year really, you know, calling plays all year, was a tight ends coach last year, kind of helped Dan Campbell towards the later end of the season once they demoted Anthony Lynn from the OC and he helped him in play calling. And I feel like the league just kind of has adjusted to that Lions offense. And the real game that kind of came out where the Lions offense struggled badly was the Patriots game. You know, they got shut out in New England. And I feel like the Patriots figured something out in that Lions offense that, you know, that came on tape and that teams around the league the last couple of weeks have been copying that Patriots game plan and you know it's been working so I think for Ben Johnson and getting this offense back to right you know he has to look at what they were doing early on and he has to look at how people are attacking his defense now or his offense I should say and he's got to be able to adjust as well so I, I think you know there's a mixed bag I think this offense is you know it's a high powered offense it could be good I think it's a middle in between of how it was the first four weeks and then how it is been playing the last four weeks. I, I think they're in a little middle between that. I think they're maybe a little better than what they've shown the last couple of weeks. But, you know, I think it's just getting the pieces back and um, Ben Johnson need to adjust. Where things stand right now with this Lions offense and Jared Goff, are they going to try target CJ Stroud, Bryce Young in the draft? Um, right now, where do you kind of see them leaning? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's going to necessarily be through the draft. I think with the Lions record ends up being is going to be a big telling if they're going to be in position to take a quarterback in the draft because right now, you know, they're sitting at pick number five. It's going to be interesting to see what pick they end up picking at at the end of this um, with, you know, some other teams um, not playing the greatest football right now and they're rebuilding as well. I do expect a new quarterback for the Detroit Lions 2023. Um, I just don't see a plan where it's going to be Jared Goff. I mean, I think Brad Holmes has had every opportunity to restructure that Jared Goff contract where, you know, he could have, you know, maybe they evenly distributed where 
the cap hold, if you cut Jared Goff, is only a $10 million dead cap at this point. If you cut him in the offseason, where if Brad Holmes wanted to create some cap space for this year, he could have potentially restructured that Jared Goff contract. And, you know, he just didn't. And he's put it, he put all his eggs in the basket of pretty much saying, this is a prove it year for Jared Goff. And if he's going to be able to get that second contract by the lines, and I just don't think he's done enough. Uh, this season, you saw the first four weeks when everything was good and everything was perfect around him that he was playing at a high level, and that's good and all. But I think Brad and you know the Lions' vision is like not everything's going to be perfect in a 17 game season, and you're going to have to be able to adjust to what your offensive pieces are going to be around him. So I just have a gut feeling if I had to say right now, I feel like there's going to be a new quarterback in 2023. Could that be through a trade with a veteran? Could that be through the draft? That's going to be answered in the offseason. I don't know what route they'll go, but I do feel like there will be a new quarterback. Well, kind of moving over to the defensive side of the ball, and this is my last question for you. You know, it seems like this is kind of the second year in a row where the Lions defense has you know, just really struggled. Um, what do you I – mean, where are the issues at? I mean, what do you think the fixes are? Because it seems like, you know, Jeff Okuda has been playing pretty well. Um, you know, they have at least in terms of name value. I mean, they have some good pieces on the uh, on the defensive line. Uh, what You know, what's going wrong? And ultimately, how do they get this fixed? Yeah, it's tough right now. I mean, again, coming into the year, yeah, you added some defensive pieces. I believe they're – I mean, they were ranked pretty low as a defense last year, like you said. I think they were like late 20s, maybe early 30s, whatever it was. And this year it's been dead last. And I think the big issue with the defense is not necessarily the talent out there. I think the talent has to factor in it, but it's been a lot of it on the defensive coordinator, I believe, and just the schematically how they've put these players in position because, you know, we've seen games where they've had good game plans and they've been able to execute them. And we saw that last game versus the Packers. They had a really good game defensively. And, you know, they forced three turnovers on Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, they, they played a good, clean game overall. We just haven't seen that enough. There's been one more game, the Dallas game and that game and the Green Bay game, where they put a good defensive game plan and they executed it all the way through. But I just believe the biggest issue is, you know, just the scheme and, and the defensive coordinator that, that's in place right now with Aaron Glenn. You hoped you could string together more of those defensive performances like you saw versus Green Bay last Sunday. But, you know, if it doesn't get fixed in these next couple of weeks, and then this test is going to be uh, – this game versus the Bears is going to be a big test for them because, you know, they've had a tough time playing guys, quarterbacks who could rush. You know, when they played Jalen Hurts week one, he ran all over us. Even Geno Smith, when we played the Seahawks, he ran all over us as well. And Justin Fields, man, he's a he's one of those quarterbacks who could escape the pocket. And I saw Lee versus the Dolphins almost had 200 rushing yards and I think led the whole NFL in rushing yards that whole day. So he's definitely a threat with his legs. So it's going to be an interesting test to see how they're going to attack Justin Fields and if he's going to be able to run all over your defense or do you have some type of adjustment or to some type of game plan where you can limit those attempts and you know limit those rushing yards. And this Sunday is going to be a big test for Aaron Glenn and his defense to see how it goes. But, um, yeah, biggest issue, I would say, is the defensive coordinator in the scheme and you know, like I said, nine more games. He's got a big test to prove it if he's going to be here next year, I think. Uh, before we let you go here, Tyler, give us a prediction for the game and then an X factor. Which, you know, play, maybe player, um, what's going to really determine this game? Oof, score prediction. I think it'll be, hmm, 
It's gonna. This is interesting. I think the Bears are gonna win this game. I just don't think we match up well with you guys. And uh, a fun fact: I don't even know if you guys know. Dan Campbell has yet to win a road game yet uh, under being the Detroit Lions head coach. So, oh wow, into yeah. Two, Did not he know. He's yet to win a road game. He is yet to win a road game. Um, I'll take the Bears in this game. I think you guys are going to be able to run the ball with uh, versus us with Fields and Montgomery and Khalil Herber. I think you guys got some, you know, nice nice pieces there on offense. I'll say let's go 25 25-21 Chicago. That'll be my score prediction. As far as an X factor, man, an X factor. That's a good one. Oof. I I can't even think of one right now. Offense, let's say uh, running game can get going. Maybe we could get, keep the Bears' offense off the field. So let's get our running game going with DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. I'll say that's the X factor if the Lions want to have a chance to win this game. Awesome. Uh, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? Where can they listen to you? Um, any other things you want to promote? Yeah, so on Twitter, you could follow me at Tyler underscore Sawa, S-A-W-A. And then as far as a podcast, you know, wherever you find your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you guys find your podcast at, you can find us at the Pride Podcast. Uh, we're also on the Blue Wire Network, just as this podcast is. So that's where you could find us for sure. Awesome. Good stuff, Tyler. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. We'll have to do it again later on in the year. For sure. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, no problem. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. And once again, that was our interview with Tyler from the Pride Podcast. They do a good job covering the Detroit Lions over there as part of the Blue Wire Network. Highly recommend um, you go check them out. And Aaron, to kind of wrap things up on our end, we got to do what we always do, give our prediction and X factor for the upcoming game. Um, I guess I'll go first. Um, I think the Bears are going to win. I think it's going to be 27-20 Bears. Um, I just think right now they're the better team. The Lions defense going into last week was given up like 33 points per game. The Viking or the the Packers could only score nine, um, which you know that'd be disappointing for them. But I think the Bears are going to score more than nine. I think the Bears are going to put up 27 on them. I think Chicago's defense will do just enough um, to keep the Lions from having an offense from having a big day. Um, the Lions often struggled against Green Bay. I think Green Bay's defense is better than Chicago's, but I do think the Bears are going to win um, this one. And my X factor, you know, we talked about it earlier. I want to see the defense get some sacks. I want to see the defense get some pressure on Jared Goff, force him into difficult throws. 
I do think the one way the Lions can win this if is if Chicago doesn't give up pressure and, or doesn't get pressure and their offensive line gets pressure. So I'm going to go defensive line kind of trenches type uh, type thing. Yeah, no, I'm, I I think we're kind of both in the in the same both or same same boat overall. Yeah, I, I've got the Bears 34-27. I, I I mean realistically, yes, I know the Lions, uh, you know, offense really hasn't been performing that well as of late. But anybody who's watched Bears defense over the last two weeks, it doesn't really feel like there's defense on the field lately, especially in the first half. So, yeah, I'll go 34-27. Uh, ultimately, kind of with you, I, I think the Bears are a better team um they've shown a lot more fight in my opinion than the lions have this year um i I think really again the offense is going to be the big key here if they can score points like they have been against you know the league's worst defense and i don't see you know why they wouldn't win the game i think my x factor is going to be i thought about the trenches thing too my x factor is going to be winning the turnover battle right i mean this is two not very good teams two teams that are rebuilding um, two teams that are probably going to do pretty well offensively. I think that the big key for this game is going to be not making those turnovers offensively and then defensively coming up with an interception or two of Jared Goff, finding ways to get the ball back and give it back to the offense. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's – again, I, I think it's going to be kind of what we've seen over the last few years from the Bears and Lions. It's going to be kind of ugly at times, um, kind of chaotic at times, and ultimately, uh, you know, I, I think the Bears are going to win this game. It's, it's, it's definitely interesting. If you look at the draft implications, you know, the potential draft implications of this, like I said, if the Bears lose – uh, that helps them tremendously, and that drops them to fourth place. And if the Bears win, then they could be in second place uh, by the end of Sunday, especially with the way Green Bay's playing and what they have on the schedule. So, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I'm just hoping for another big game from Justin Fields. Hopefully he can kind of get the ball going through the air a little bit more, um, you know, maybe break that 250, 300-yard plateau if he throws enough. But this is definitely one of those, another building block kind of game for this offense. Yeah, just keep stacking those games, man. Keep, you know ideally I want the bears to win. I think they're going to win. Um, if the bears just keep stacking those games and, and they get improved draft position somehow, I'd be all for it. But yeah, I just think the bears is a better team, man. Like, like our, our guest said, like I did not know um, that Dan Cable has not got a win on the road so far in, in a short tenure here um, with, with the Detroit lions. But yeah, It'll be interesting to see. I do think the Bears are to come away with the win. They'll have home field advantage Sunday at Soldier Field. It's exciting, man. Fans are excited. Like covering this team during the Nagy era and covering this team, you know, when they were having their their struggles, like fans were not excited. I mean, we were talking about fans not showing up to games in late November and December. I don't think that's going to be the case here. I think fans are really excited despite um, some of these games being losses. So, Aaron, work everyone follow you on Twitter at work everyone read your work. You can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL on Twitter, and you can read my work at thebearreport.com. Awesome. Uh, you can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at just Bear Report. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Zach, Z A C K underscore Pearson. Um, as always, please rate, review, and subscribe on all major podcasting platforms. That helps out our podcast as well as picks for polls. And until next week, everyone, please stay safe and please stay healthy. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.